Hello, welcome to a very, 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 very special edition of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. This is my friend Renfrey Deadman. Oh, He's yeah. also on the show with me. I'll let him come on this week. <laughs> Every week. Uh, forever. And um, this is our top 20 albums of the decades. The fucking decade. Yeah. The tens. I feel really fucking old, man. I can't believe I'm doing this. Piece of but, piss to put this together, wasn't it, Steve? Oh, it was hell. It was absolute. It was absolute hell. Oh yes, when I said piece of piss, I meant hell. Yes, mm, it was fucking yeah. hell. Renfrey, um, before we get into this, your thoughts on the decade in music in general? It's been alright. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no it's been it's been um it's been a really fascinating time i think with the um with we talked about this a lot but like with streaming making music more accessible and open to people i think uh people are far more bands and artists are far more willing to hybridize stuff what are you giggling about shoving one of my mcvitie's nibbles oh they look gorgeous. It's almost as if we're sponsored by McVitie's. We're not. We're not. Um, but they look very nice. Mm. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of like um, um, genre lines are becoming more and more blurred, yep. uh, which I think is interesting and good generally because um, I like more experimental things. So that works for me. Yeah. I mean, I've actually, I want to shout out very, very quickly. I wrote a piece for um, Louder, who is the umbrella company that. for... Yeah. Uh, for the Metal Hammer Classic Rock um, and Prog. And it's basically about rock and metal. Well, not predominantly. It was about rock and metal in, in this in this decade. And if you want to go and read that, which I think you should, um, I think that sums my feelings up quite well. Shall I sum it up super quick? And I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on it, yeah. Generally, you were saying that like um, the creativity has um, uh, shot up mm. in this decade um but maybe at maybe not specifically because but at the expense of commercial uh appeal exactly that yeah yeah pretty much exactly that i think um that when, felt like an essay then it felt like I, read, I, read I, this book I and think, put it in your own words i mean to be honest there are some albums on this list that have done very well commercially as well as very welcome critically but not on mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but the majority of them to be fair you know I guess haven't really, and I think you know the most in, a lot of the most interesting acts uh, of of this. If I was to make my top twenty albums of the nineties or the eighties or even the noughties, right? Yeah. You'd be talking about some albums that people would go, "Ah, oh, that's yeah. a classic." I'm yes. not sure there's going to be many on this list where people go, "Ah, oh, what 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 a classic of the of the tens." Well, I suppose I mean? that's an interesting thing. Maybe it's become harder to to define what a classic is because there isn't. A general consensus mm. uh, 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 in the same way that there was in the 90s and the noughties. I fucking hate calling it that, but, you know, and the 80s and so on and so forth. Because of many factors, including the manner in which music is put out there now. And um, and just to be honest, the size of rock music. Mm. I mean, one of the things I said about rock and metal in, in this generation is the bands that were being tipped to be the next kind of big festival headliners have run pretty far away from rock music and obviously don't see rock as a viable thing to keep them in arenas and keep them at festival headlining status. I mean, I don't particularly care for Bullet, Bullet for My Valentine or um, Paramore or Fall Out Boy. I don't like those bands. Um, but it's, you know, completely clear 
that they would have been the kind of bands who would be filling the you know green day blink 182 mm. maybe even you know Avenged sevenfold iron maiden style slots at um at festivals and now i, I just don't think those bands could play something like download i just yeah. don't think they could i don't have a place for someone like paramore who are so poppy now yeah you know there are exceptions i mean i think queens of the stone age um can do arenas now and are doing that kind of thing yeah, but i don't think they from do this download. generation though are they really i mean i know fallout no Boy but they've a bit earlier, no but. but they've become an arena band in the last 10 years mm. so hence i'm including well you know there's been a few of them ghosts and parkway driver and gonna, younger bands ghosts and parkway driver are going to be two of my other examples yeah uh oh i had another one as well but i can't remember you know well five finger death punch Nightwish. Within Temptation, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sabaton now, you know, yeah. mad, mad as that mm. sounds. Um, you know, there's, there's, bands have stepped up to arena levels, but, you know, just it, when Radiance Machine became an arena band or when Korn <laughs> became an arena band back in the 90s, anyone, anyone in the street pretty much who had MTV, you could go, what, name a Korn song? And they go, oh, is that the bullet? Video. Got the life or freaking Alicia, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, yeah, oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah, and you don't really get that with the bands that we just mentioned. Really. Nope. So it's been a weird, it's been a weird decade, mm. I think. But I think ultimately, in terms of just pure, you put that music on, and it is this like full of great records. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about the kind of the dips and the falls and the troughs and the peaks and stuff as we kind of go through it. I reckon because I've I've, I've noticed a bit of a, you know, a bit of a trend with that as well as throughout my list. Anyway, um, before we get into it, as this was so fucking difficult to pick twenty, hellish to pick twenty. Um, I've actually got a top thirty, and I've got some other ones. <laughs> top thirty. Uh, so I think I have a top thirty-seven. Really, in order. <laughs> Well, no. I want to give a shout out to. Can I do mine? Yeah, really quickly. I want to give a shout out to Abyss by Chelsea Wolfe, Cult Lunas Vertical, Joys and Acts of Resistance by Idols, Low Teens by Every Time I Die, Dead Ends by Heights, Devolver by Jamie Lenman, I by Partway Drive, and Stranger Fruit by Zealand Arda. I also want to say, if this was a top 30, imagine it's like Top of the Pops and you're just kind of counting down. 30, Nightmare Logic by Power Trip. 29, Hawkeye's Ideas. 28, mm. Palm Reader, Besides the Ones We Love. 27, The Suburbs by Arcade Fire. 26, my number one album of this year, Clipping Their Existing in Addiction to Blood. That might get higher as the years go on, but it's only been out two months. I felt weird putting it wherever I put it. Um, 25, A Perfect Circles Eat the Elephant. 24, The Satanist by Behemoth. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so Hearts of No Light by Smash is in there, is it? <laughs> uh, 23 Daughters You Won't Get What You Want 22 After the Party by The Menzingers and 21 Purple by Baroness right those records just missed out essentially that is how I would if we were doing it properly that's how my top 30 would look yikey crikey okay um, very quickly just before I forget because um, you sort of mentioned it there um, I decided with my list partly to make it easier on myself um, but also because I figured this is albums of the decade and I feel like you need to live with albums for a long time I made a rule a few days ago uh, to not include any albums from 2019 oh my god fucking hell <laughs> so I said about doing this and recording it in about fucking july right 
And I said, can we do it in the next month or so? I went through it. No, 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 no. Because something from 2019 <laughs> might get in my list, right? And I was like, yeah, but I doubt it. I mean, and if it does, like, you know, you have to, that's when it's come out. You've got to do it. Like, you've got to cut off. And he went, no, 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 no. I can't. I must not. We've waited until literally fucking six days before Christmas, the busiest fucking period of the year. And you have turned around <laughs> and said that to me. I, I actually cannot believe this. It's too difficult. You're a fucking dick. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I forgot we, we had that conversation. We could have done this in October. We could have done this in September when it was quiet. What an absolute <laughs> prick you are. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Well, and me going, oh, well, it'll be worth it because Renfrew will have the, the best, the definitive list. It's not even, it's your favourite 10 albums of the last nine years. <laughs> yeah. Not even the last nine years. The nine years before the year we've just had. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> oh, it's your list, mate. Do what you want. <laughs> but I will say that her name is Carly would almost certainly be in it. I just couldn't, I didn't know where to put it. Uh, maybe at all. I was really considering microwave as well. I don't know. But um, yeah, he probably wouldn't go any further than that. My bubbling unders are uh, Salam by Marriages. Uh, Every Day I Get Closer to the Light from Which I Came by Jesus. Major Minor by Thrice. Yeah, that's right. Major Minor. Most people wouldn't say Major Minor. There's going to be a few of those on my list, by the way. Every Country's Sun by Mogwai. Time and Space by Turnstile, which really fucking hurt. Yeah, that would have been near <sighs> Perfect Darkness by Fink. The Dusk in Us by Converge. <laughs> uh, Memorial by Russian Circles. Ideas. Hawkeyes. Hello there. Um, Pedals by Rival Schools. Fucking love Rival Schools. Wearing a Rival Schools hoodie. Lovely stuff. Um, the James Cleaver Quintet that was then This Is Now I fucking love that record LP3 by Restorations The World Is A Beautiful Place And I'm No Longer Afraid To Die Harmlessness one of the best records about mental health ever written um, The Things We Do To Find People Who Feel Like Us by Beach Slang amazing debut record Weather Systems by Anathema Instructions by Heck Audio Noir by Bosk which really hurt There Is Only You by The Excerpts and oh this was very hard but Emperor of Sand by Mastodon It's a good record that uh, all bubbling unders for right. me. Um, I wanted to say something else as well, but I forgot what it was. So let's, <laughs> let's carry on. So angry, <laughs> so angry about what you've just done, what you just said. You have no idea. Oh no, I know what I was going to say. So, um, in terms of these choices, I think personal. I think how these albums affect you personally really, really comes into it. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of talk that kind of in my list, certainly, um, that, you know, um, there's a lot of, I've, I noticed a pattern in some of these albums. A lot of these albums talk about mental health quite a lot, which is quite mm -hmm. interesting, which has been quite a big thing in the last sort of four or five years of my life. Uh, some of these albums talk about grief quite a lot. And I feel like some of the th same themes are going to come up again and again and again, because it's, it's, it's themes that resonate with you and, I, I just want to stress even more that this is very much a, these are our favourites list. There are so many albums on here that I realised, not to be a contrary cunt, but usually the the band or the, al the album that I have chosen would not be considered the favourite album by that band. Um, or, or the best, I should say. But it is absolutely my favourite and I will go into the reasons for well, that. The the Satanist, I mean, yeah, just to sort of run with that very quickly, I had to do some very sort of um, to look very hard in the mirror, I think, and, and sort of when we're in evaluating these records. The Satanist by Behemoth is one of the most fucking groundbreaking records 
of this decade of, of that genre of music ever. It is a better record than the than a great majority. It, like if you look at it completely, you know, in terms of its importance, its legacy, its um, its story, the way it's been put together, its songwriting, quite like so many things. It is a better record than many of the records that are on this list. Do I enjoy listening to it as much? Do I listen to it as much? Do I have as close a relationship with it than all of these records? No, I don't. And that is the thing. Is like that I, is I, I had to yeah. be, and I, and you will probably turn around and go, you honestly think that's better than The Satanist? Or you honestly think that's better than The, the Suburbs by Arcade Fire? Or, you know, this fucking, you know, probably considered their their classic record at this point, I would say. And, Satanist, yeah. Um, and... I, you know, I do, I do, and for that, or like daughters, you know, that daughters record is fucking insane, and I, I feel like that's become, you know, as the further away we get from its release, the more and more and more and more people who are talking about it and being like, that is a proper genre classic, and I absolutely agree, but I think I'll need another four years before yeah. I'm really that much in love with it. Do you know what I mean? Like to the point where it would make the top twenty or maybe the top ten. And I think it could. But, you know, I have to be honest about... There is some stuff in here that... I mean, I've put a couple in there where I'm like, fucking hell. I, I, I just have to be honest, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. few in here where yeah. people might go, oh, you honestly think that's better than that? That's pretty weird. But here we go. But and that's, they, that's how music works. It's, and it's also, just how it resonates with yes, you. Yes, of know? course. And also, um, the reason I wanted to start is because I could make a little disclaimer at the start as well. Oh, right, fine. You start. So... Um, we're reviewing the music. It is not my job or Renfrey's job to be the arbiters of like online morality, like gossip, essentially. We have picked what albums we think are the best. This is a list of our favourite albums of the decade, not the nicest people of the decade. Oh. I just wanted to flag that up straight away because I know people might go, really, number 20? You've had all these albums to pick and your number 20 is that bloke who apparently has done something sort of sexually aggressive i don't even know i didn't really know anything about this until someone went oh yeah he's dodgy he's cancelled um which is not a great way to start this entire list but uh you are you are as as you think by sorority noise is my number 20 um i fucking love this record and i'd had no real um connection to sorority noise particularly uh i listened to the album previous to this and i thought it was all right Mm -hmm. um and hearing this one i was kind of i remember hearing it the first time and being quite taken by it and it getting into my top 20 albums of 2017 when it came out um and it's sort of impact and influence and uh my love for it has just grown it's a proper grower what i just said about the daughter's record is this you know again it's it feels quite pertinent this year for me, you know, this the 2019, everything that's happened to me, it feels like, you know, there's a lot of stuff on here about grief, about how to cope with grief, um, about not being able to cope with grief. Um, it's a very raw record. It's 30 something minute minutes long. Yeah, it's really short, isn't it? It's not a long record at all, but it manages to kind of beautifully balance folk, um, really kind of quiet folk music with these huge swaths of stunning feedback and noise and guitars. And when it roars, you know, it really, really roars. Like mm. a song like you know, the opening track, No Halo, um, which is just an amazing, 
I think it's an amazing song. What's what's one of the one of the lines in it is if there's no rest for the wicked, then I'm as evil as they come. Mm. Uh, it's just such a great line, and it, it, like this is a sort of really scabrously hate self loathing record, and um, yeah, and and it's it's probably the one that has crept up the most have everything on this list i only put it at number 20 because i think it's had to climb a fucking long way because mm. when it came out if you'd have said to me where's this going to be in your album of the decade i'd be like just scrape the top 100 maybe right just wow okay um yeah <clears throat> maybe in the, maybe in the top eight yeah like top 80 probably mm. would have been like yeah but probably we get in the top 80 maybe um but it has just climbed and climbed and climbed. And the more that time goes on, the more I continue to despise myself, the more I like this record. <laughs> Why do you say that? Or do you... Well, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it, it's uh, it's one of those records to to, to put on and, and mope to, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it's a great, like in terms of that kind of, I suppose you could just call it modern emo kind mm. of thing. Although modern emo encapsulates so many things, as we mm. will discuss quite a lot on probably both our lists. Mm. Um, but um, it is a, just a brilliant sort of short, sharp, uh, yeah, self-loathe of a record, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very very strong album indeed. I I and and again, when it comes to those sorts of records, it really is just about what resonates with you and you know you you hate yourself so self-loathing <laughs> <laughs> really do uh yeah so that's my number 20 you are as as you think from 2017 by sorority noise okay so staying within what i would broadly call the same genre but then at the same time you know being a completely different record um and, and the genre being sort of modern emo but it just shows how broad that genre is and again, I was a little bit surprised about this, but it's a record which has just stayed with me, uh, untitled by Me Without You. Mm. Um, it's just a stunning mixture of like indie, post-hardcore, emo and art rock. And Me Without You change what they do with every single album. I gave you one uh, for Trade-Off, which basically sounds totally different yeah, to Untitled, yeah, yeah. right? Every album, every Me Without You album just sounds totally different. Like, there isn't much of a through line apart from Aaron Weiss's very um, literary kind of odd lyrics, quite esoteric, um, and they're quite strange. And this this album feels like a really strange jumble of ideas, which shouldn't really be all connected and it, it's like i mean the artwork is lots of different colors um and like pieces like pieces of cloth and rope just all sort of strung together and just looks like this messy bundle but yet there's something really you just can't look away from it and there's there's something the the the, the longer you stare at the picture it doesn't get any clearer but there's something beguiling and fascinating about it and i think it's a brilliant cover for the record because that's exactly what the record is mm. your interpretations of all the songs they're esoteric enough to, to 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 be able to have multiple interpretations of different songs but they're not esoteric to the point of just sheer wankiness you know um I think there are songs on here which are massively anthemic and yet have 
ridiculous levels of depth at the same time. And to do anthemic and depth at the same time is enormously difficult. Mm. Um, I mean, just the names of the songs, Julia or Holy to the Lord on the Bells of Horses is the name of one song, Flee Thou Matadors, Tortoises All the Way Down. These songs are sort of as esoteric and strange as their titles, and yet there's something really beguiling and interesting about a title like Julia or Holy to the Lord on the Bells of Horses. What is that? What does that mean? The imagery yeah. that he uses and the it's so far away from typical rock lyrics. Um, and I say rock in sort of the broadish sense. It's a really feverish album where um you know, sometimes vocals are whispered, sometimes they're absolutely screamed, sometimes they're just sung beautifully. Like, it goes to so many different places. And I think, whilst it doesn't necessarily become clearer what the record is, the more you listen to it, there are stark themes that emerge, one of which, you know, has been very pertinent to me. And maybe, maybe this is why it's really, really stayed with me. But, um, um, Aaron Weiss's um, father had a, a mental illness that that could potentially be hereditary, and um, my mother was struck down with um, uh, vascular dementia. Um, for those who don't know, and and that can be hereditary as well, and that kind of fear of um, of something being passed on to you, which is like a a disease something that can kill you and something that can kill you in a not very nice manner is actually something which <laughs> is one of those themes that surprisingly comes up a lot in this top 20 so it's going to be a really cheery old time mm. um but um it does and that was something that i didn't realize that was really interesting that came up a lot in this but that is definitely something that is on this record um I mean, there's a, there's a line on the on break on through to the other side, part two, where he says, "Have I established a pattern, perhaps a binaural mental collapse?" You know, um, and then there's an EP which um, is has the same title as this, which goes before it, uh, where he says, "Dad tried his best, but finally fell apart at just my age," and it's kind of that sort of realization of like mortality and things mm -hmm. like that, I suppose. Um, and the the manner in which Vice plays with characters and like there's in Flee Thou Matadors there's he he mentions the fictional Ferdinand the Eighth who's the king of Spain but also brings in the the historical figure Maria the First who is the queen of Portugal and he kind of mixes up these real historical figures with with characters he's invented in order to create a whole brand new world. And we'll talk about things, you know, which are happening in sort of European countries or Middle Eastern countries or things like that, which, which bands just do not talk about. And it gives me without you a really unique perspective in a very broad genre, which has tons and tons of bands in it. And I, and I yeah, I just adore this record. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Good. Happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll get mine done a bit quicker than that. Uh, number 19 for me is The Damn Things, Ironoclast. Probably, I was going to say the best side project, but I had one, another one could be a side project coming up later. Uh, from 2010, strong start as a decade, actually. There's a few early decade albums on my list. Um, I was kind of like most people thought what a bizarre bunch of people to get together and do an album scott ian from anthrax keith buckley from every time i die and the the other the two that aren't 
that aren't fucking Patrick Stump from uh, Fallout Boy. <laughs> the two that aren't Patrick Stump. <laughs> um, but uh, 10 years down the line, I still think Ironiclast is one of the best sets of just good time rock and roll music mm. that has been released this year. It's bordering on metal. It's also sometimes bordering on punk. It's kind of bordering on hard rock. Uh, it's bordering on its tongue being firmly in its cheek. Thank you to uh, Keith Buckley's fucking amazing lyrics and just, you know, a, a, just such a great um, ear for a, for a quip. Keith, yeah, Keith oh, Buckley, do you know God, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and this record is just, it's just full of fucking, I mean, the fact that it's above all the, how good Every Time I Die have been this decade, and yet this is above all of their records. Holy shit. This is my favorite, like I'm essentially going, this is my favorite Keith Buckley record of the decade, when Keith Buckley is in fucking Every Time I Die. And right? we've had From Unknown Parts, we've had yeah, From Parts uh, Unknown, uh, no, New Junk Aesthetic. New Junk Aesthetic. Uh, yeah, Low Teens. X-Lives, Low bit, Teens, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah, so, you know, oh, there's big fucking words, but I just think, you know, it's so immediate. I remember the first time I whacked this record on and um, Handbook for the recently deceased started and just like, well, oh, this is a fucking tune. Yeah. And then you get Bad Blood. It's got hand claps. It's got weird, yeah. you know, it's got so much like um, a song like uh, uh, Black Heart with the doo-wop girls in the background yeah. and this sort of spidery, snaky riff, which sounds like it could, you know, it weirdly does sound like it could be a bit of Fallout Boy and it could be a bit of Anthrax, but it doesn't really sound like either of them. I think like Keith Buckley steals the show on this. He really, really does steal the show because, you know, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's the first time you'd ever heard Keith Buckley sing, but it's the no. first time you definitely heard Keith Buckley um, sing kind of continually like for, yeah. the, for the most you know most of this record is quite clean vocals but it just means that when his voice you know when his voice comes in on the title track or um you know um when is when he that bit at the end of we got a situation here for all the love in the world we spread like that but when that comes in it's just you go oh 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 that's keith, <laughs> oh, that's keith buckley and um yeah th th this record is just you know again People might go, you think this is better than The Satanist? Like this fucking absolutely groundbreaking record. Yeah, that's not you what it's think. about. But that, yeah, exactly. This is not, not what it's about. about. I can put Ironiclast on, and I have put Ironiclast on at least 15, 20 times uh, a year, every year since 2010, since it's come out. I, I, there's never been a year where I haven't gone back to that record and gone, oh my God, just how great are these songs? And you... you you just strut down the road listening mm. to them. If you're mm. listening on the headphones, you just strut along. Like it just make more than any other record. And again, like I say, Keith Buckley's had an amazing fucking decade of the, the material he's put out. He's in the, yeah. you know, and he's written a book and do you know what I mean? He's done all kinds of stuff. He's incredible. But no album makes you want to be Keith Buckley more than this record. <laughs> it's it's so so great and um it's a shame because you know we waited so long for the follow-up to come out and the follow-up like we reviewed was like it's great and and it's not you know i it's it's not got anywhere near 
no. to me as, as this one has. I, I really like High Crimes. I think it's very, very good. I, 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 I have to confess, I've not been back to Iron Class for quite a long time. Really? Yeah. I'm like hearing you talk about it now. I'm like, I really want to go back to it. But mm. um, yeah, I've not listened to it for a it while. It's pretty much the best kind of straight rock records in, right. in my list, I would say. Okay. And there had to be one of them. And I think it's that. So yeah, that's mine. Okay. My number 19 is a band that I've wanged on quite a bit about on this podcast, although I still feel like not enough people listen to. Agent Fresco. Mm-hmm. Uh, their second album, Destria, released in 2015. <clears throat> um, quite possibly the most unique band on my list. Right. Definitely a cont- they're definitely a contender. Certainly one of the most emotionally raw bands. They're an Icelandic quartet. And um, they managed to sort of... God, they blend... The math rock of sort of an arcane roots type band, the ethereal sort of beauty of Sigaros, and then um, sometimes throw in sort of vitriolic elements of Dillinger Escape Plan as well. Um, but then all the while sound quite uniquely their own beast as well. I don't, I, whilst they do take from all those bands, and there's even sort of a neoclassical sort of vibe to it as well, I yeah. think. There's a lot of piano on. Um, on Agent Fresco stuff and this record um, particularly. Um, songs like Sea Hell, Dark Water. I love Sea Hell. Oh, Sorry, Sea Hell, so mm. good. Uh, Dark Water <clears throat> and Pyre like really tug on the heartstrings. But then you have songs like the title track and Angst, which sound like a descent into a sort of tormented hell. And they, they sound like that because whenever they do go heavy, they do it very um, sparingly. But the power with which I mean, I think I think Arna, who's the vocalist, I think he probably screams twice on the record. Is it? It's very, not very a lot clean at all. Album, yeah. Yeah, for the most part. But it means that when he does, I remember seeing them with an ex of mine and like they went into angst towards the end of their set and her reaction when they went into that song because he hadn't screamed <laughs> at that at all and then just suddenly lets out this howl of anguish you know it's it's a real like it's really shocking it's really quite incredible destria the title track is this beautiful pop song and then they just um and i mean this in the nicest way ruin it by like this horrible distorted drum part just comes in, in in sort of seemingly random intervals and just sort of it's like nine inch nails at their most aggressive and mm. electronically disgusting and then and then it just sort of pops back to the pop bit again and, and and the first time i heard it i was just like what the fuck is this i've never heard anything like it um arna himself has this beautiful stunning falsetto voice uh like i think he's incredibly talented without being showy some of this some of this material is quite showy but you never feel like he's just singing a part to show off i don't think um (laughs) thorin who's the guitarist like he switches between guitar and piano like effortlessly and is just an incredible he does some incredible work in the sort of neoclassical scene as well arkel i mean dave grohl once said that arkel from agent fresco is the best drummer in the world um i think he was drunk but he did say that once i've seen the video footage um and they're just they're just a band who i want to get bigger and bigger and bigger and i i I genuinely think they are there isn't anything quite like fresco in uh in on the world yeah yeah yeah, Uh, yeah, i mean you're you're a big oh yeah i love this record yeah it's great it's fucking great yeah they have a new album out next year yeah look forward to that all right cool um destroyer by agent fresco is your number 19 my number 18 
Um, I, this almost didn't make it in, which is weird because when it came out, fucking hell, I was going batty for it. It was my album of the year in 2014. And it's one of those rare occasions where the first time I heard it, I thought this is my favorite album of the year. I actually heard it in December of 2013 and went my favorite album of 2014. I'm hearing in December, 2013. Um, are you kidding me? No by the band Destrage, the Italian progressive metal band, who um, <laughs> I got sent this to review for Metal Hammer. I know you get stuff a bit earlier in yep. the Christmas period, so it actually came yep. out in March, but I got it just before Christmas because they're like, right, we got Father, whatever. And I was, at the time, I think I was staying at my dad's house that night, and I'd been out, and I downloaded it, and I think I'd, I'd been... I can't remember where I've been, but I've been out and I was getting a train from Waterloo back to Weybridge where my dad lives and it was about midnight and I was getting one of the last trains and I was proper knackered and I put this album on. I was like, I should probably listen to this album that I got a review for Metal Hammer. I put it on and it woke me up instantly and I was just like, bloody hell. And then as it went on, is that on Metal Blade? I thought, oh God, here we go. Some yeah. fucking, another bloody death metal band. And I was just they, like... They do surprise you occasionally though, don't they? And metal I was Blade? just like, oh my fucking God. And the yeah. longer it went on, the more I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what is this? It's like System of a Down meets Strapping Young Lads meets Jane's Addiction meets... I don't even know what else. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like a kind of gent... System of a Down with Jane's Addiction, but high pitched vocals, electronic parts, like massive, dr- massive, like old school drum and bass parts. Like the end of um, Destroy, Create, Transform, Sublimate, the opening track, you hear that it's like this massive, like juddery Meshuggah riff with all this, like, like sick stuff over the top. And then this sort of high pitched um, Perry Farrell coming down the mountain style vocal thing this big like and then you go this is really weird and then it just stops Mm. and this fucking drum and bass part comes Mm. in and that's the first track Mm. (laughs) that's the first track i'm I'm gonna interject holy shit just to interject super quickly um i hadn't listened to this album before we did this and we we actually swapped each other's lists over just so that we could listen to records that we hadn't heard Mm. i've only heard this album once um and i can't even formulate an opinion on it because i think it's so bonkers i don't even know where to start i think it's brilliant but i've only heard it once well i mean (laughs) i have we've reviewed uh, we reviewed the last destroyed album and i've reviewed it on definitely better than the last destroyed album yeah yeah and i keep saying this like you know to people can it's a bit mad isn't it? a bit mad the last you know you hear the new death rush wow it's a crazy record and it's like have not you not heard to this you know <laughs> this like this is the one yeah. this is fucking yeah. bananas this record um my green neighbor is one of the best songs of the decade it's about eating zombie brains it's and it's fucking loopy and then you think halfway through you go i mean surely they're gonna run out of ideas and then like on the title track um there's a seven minute title track with a big spaghetti western mm. trumpet like yeah. fucking brass section comes in and um ron bumblefoot formerly of guns and roses plays guitar on that as well uh it is i, I to be honest it's such i listened to it so much when it first came out and for about a year afterwards i saw him at tech fest and i went to see them they played their first uh, UK headlining show um upstairs at the barfly in 2000 in sort of mid 2015 so I had to wait about a year to see them headline and uh, and they were <laughs> really, really good live and they barely come back. Like they, ba- they 
they've really genuinely barely been over to the UK since. Um, and it's a real shame that it doesn't really feel like that scene is taking to them. I think they're maybe a bit too weird, even for the fucking tech metal scene. They're a bit too weird. But um, well, the tech metal scene has become very not weird, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I was like, fucking hell, this band are are so great and i really tried to push metal hammer to be like we got to cover this we got to cover this i used to play it on team rock all the time like this is my favorite band of the year this is my favorite band imagine playing this at like yeah 10 to 8 in the morning yeah. i used to play this and people were like oh <laughs> leave me alone um but i listened to it like non-stop for about two and a half three years maybe and then what with everything going on i just sort of was like oh i haven't really listened to it and then when i was putting this together i was like hold on this was like my number one album of 2014. I should go back and listen to it. The second I put it on again, I was like, I thought maybe the kind of wackiness of it, because it is a bit wacky. Yeah. I thought maybe the wackiness of it had kind of got me for a bit and then it's sort of gone. And I listened to it. I've listened to it a couple of times since. And I almost said to you, I was like, oh, um, it might make it in, but it, it might. I'm not sure if it is going to make it in. It's obviously just about made it in, but fucking hell, I've gone back to being like, oh, I have to listen to like Puriana again. I mean, the first, the run of four at the start, Destroy, Create, Puriana, My Green Neighbour, Host Rifles and Coke. Like just, it, it, those four songs do more than about, I was going to say more than some bands do in a career, more than about 10 bands do in a career. <laughs> like it is this album is wild and i just think the songs they you know it's not just like dog fashion disco didn't have any songs like it's it's wild and it's brilliant and it's you know it's mr bungle it's fucking phantomash it's um you know it, it it's like i say james addiction system of a down devon towns and scars on broadway mm. like the the nuttiest fucking shit that you can imagine mm. uh they go fucking sick they go toe to toe with all of those bands they can this can hang with the very best of those weird bands so you ha you need to listen to this it's really really great i'm really looking forward to um getting to know the record properly yeah, it's very very good yeah, yeah, uh good are you kidding me no by destrage my number 18 Okay, my number 18. Um, I'm going to tell a little story first. Don't worry, I'll try and keep it quick. Yeah. Um, back in 2014, I uh, got to do my first ever interview, my first of many, with Mr. Jamie Lemon oh. uh, at 2000 Trees Festival. Had a bloody lovely time interviewing him because he's an absolute fucking joy. During that interview, he told me about this band that he absolutely loved and he was blown away by them called Shrine. And... Um, I hang on to every word Jamie says more or less even now um, when, we're, when we're mates. And um, uh, I was like, okay, I had made a mental note and when I'm going to mm. check out that band Shrine. At the time, they had one EP out, which is called Closer to the Sun. And it had um, three songs on it, Closer to the Sun, Say You Will and Saviour. And I was completely blown away by this melding of sort of the, the the proggy heart of ocean size mixed with the kind of heavy metallic guts of mastodon you know and it was basically everything that i wanted in rock music the singer was fucking killer the way that he could pitch his screams were was unbelievable I, i'd never heard anything quite as, as 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 incredible as that the guitar player was playing these ridiculous like chicken picky solos which were very very brent hines which i just thought were absolutely phenomenal the bass section just kept the whole thing moving along and the drummer was just doing ridiculous I, I mean, everything i just everything about it i just thought was fucking amazing 
Later that year, they changed their name to Black Peaks. And then a couple of years later, they released Statues, which is their debut album. And it's a phenomenal piece of work. I hadn't listened to Statues for a few years, if I'm totally honest. Now, there is mm. a good reason for that. Because they released another really good record. No, well. no, no. The reason I didn't listen to Statues for um, for a couple of for a couple of years is because I'm quite fortunate to know the Black Peaks guys quite well now. You know them pretty mm-hmm. well as well. I've been on tour with the band and I've actually seen, if you include the Shrine show that I saw as well, I've actually seen Black Peaks 29 times in five years. Fucking hell. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> there is an element for me where even the best, best, best records, like when you see them that much, it is like, I probably don't need to listen to that for a little while. So it had been, it had actually been a couple of years since I'd sat down and listened to statues from beginning to end in full. And I put it on a a couple of weeks ago and I was just so blown away by what a near perfect album it is. I'd completely forgotten what an absolute fucking masterpiece it is. Just, ah. how like glass built castles is a world beating anthem the fact that it got onto daytime radio one and 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 put them into that league of bands rock bands on radio one for those who don't know are usually senseless crap Mm. you know they're usually like very watered down bullshit and glass built castles is like a relatively complex song i mean it has this massive fucking chorus but you know it's got screams in it and it's got all sorts of weird kind of bits and pieces going on in it i mean this was being played on radio one daytime i mean just yeah, it's seeing nuts. it's nuts it's absolutely nuts and seeing it blow up was just such a wonderful thing and but then like glass built castles isn't even the best song on this record i mean you've got songs like hang em high where they go into ridiculously like this really ridiculously proggy kind of thing. I think white eyes is an absolute genius song Um, to take the first term features Jamie Ludman, of course, which is absolutely brilliant statues of shame. I I basically, I could basically name the entire album. I don't think there's a (laughs) single, you really want me to move on. I don't think there's a single bad song on this record. Um, I think I was trying to, like I was basically trying to go through them all and like rank them all out of 10. And I decided that Crooks is my least favorite song on the album. And I gave it eight out of 10. Great song. <laughs> it's a great song. Um, I think the, the follow-up is brilliant, but it, it has to be statues for me. Mm. Um, just uh, cause everything, everything around it and going on to all the guys. And I, d- I do think it's a slightly better record. Um, I think, uh, all the devices a great follow-up but i do prefer statues overall so yeah well there you go uh, i'll tell you what my favorite song from it is later yeah. <laughs> yeah. my number 17 is mother blood by grave pleasures from mm. 2017 um a load of people going what about beast milk i didn't really get into beast milk so much i've got to be honest mm. um i just I just didn't i don't know why uh listening back to it now i i, I do like it but I remember this coming out and really having, again, it's one of those ones where I had, I think because, you know, everyone banged about Beast Milk and then when they changed the name to Grave Pleasures, it was the, this was the second album as Grave Pleasures, wasn't it? Or was yes. It? Yeah, it was, yeah. And I think Dream Crash was the first one. Yeah. And I, you know, I was a bit like ho-hum about it all. So I didn't really have much in the way of any sort of um, big anticipation for it at all. To be Did you listen honest. to the previous Grave Pleasures album out of interest? Yeah. 
Yeah. What did you yeah, think of that? That's pretty good. You know, like now I listen back to the other ones. I go, oh, yeah, they're quite good. But I didn't, you know, I wasn't excited about it in a way that this album excited me. Um, but as soon as I put this on, I was like, fuck. I think it was maybe because I was starting to get into my um, <laughs> now long held and seemingly never ending obsession of kind of 80s post punk and, and goth music, uh. which I, you know, constantly have gone. But I've seemed to have gone back to that. And this is one of the times I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of like, you know, psychedelic furs and, um, uh you know, The Cure and um, Susie and the Banshees. And it was like, I think somebody said they're like kind of Creeper's older, cooler brother, you know? And and I, I mean, I, that, that, the Creeper record that came out this year, you know, this decade, I should say, is a great record. And I think it's obviously really, really resonated and connected with a lot of people. And I really, really like it. But I do, you know, I, I do think... If you're saying to me, like, what's your goth album of choice for this decade? It's absolutely this. And it's just so much of it is they've got that, like, really, really dramatic OTT thing that Creeper also have. That kind of, that almost vaudevillian, like, uh, flamboyance that, yeah. that Creeper also, that Creeper have. But I think, you know, Creeper do it better live. I think um, Mother Blood and Great grave pleasures particularly on mother blood do it uh more convincingly yes if you like on so record, a song definitely. like yeah. mind intruder which is you know like your thoughts are mine mind intruder like you can just see him like and when he does it like he sort of reaches out into this is about intruding your mind and um it's called mind intruder it's like <laughs> those kind of like hilarious stage power and um you know, there's 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 so many kind of well OTT flights of fancy, and it's just oh, yeah. a really dramatic record. It's yeah. such a dramatic record. Everything from the the um, the lyrics to the the front cover, the artwork. Yeah, you know, it just feels like it could have been lifted straight out of the eighties. It could have been lifted straight out of a you know out of the Lost Boys. Do you know what I mean? Like the whole the whole thing just smacks of like. A, a completely different era it's one of the most yeah. kind of perfectly realized homages to a very very different era where it was okay to be completely outlandish um, and yet it doesn't feel retro <coughs> um, yeah yeah i mean i kind of think it does feel a bit retro do you think so no, yeah no, i think no, I, I kind of like, i've got no problem with it feeling retro <laughs> like i think you know i thought you i mean i don't know what you think about this record I, I, do you know what? When it came out, um, <laughs> didn't didn't really feel like I got it. Um, I did see them live supporting someone at the Electric Forum. Converge. But... Oh yeah, it might have been Converge. Converge. Yeah, um, They weren't great, though. No, they weren't. No. On first, like. Um, but um, I went back to it for listening to this, and I definitely felt like I'd probably been a little harsh in my judgment. But I, I don't love it. But then, having said that, I, you know, post punk is far more a thing for you than it is for me. This, I, I think th this has got this seems to have that age. Like I would totally fess up and go age production. Right. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I know you don't. You're not a massive fan of that, and I hear like that's what I love about it. It yeah. sounds exactly yeah. like it's just been plucked out of the eighties. That is part of it. I think the songs, are great, <coughs> but I, but I'm not a big fan of the production. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, th I, th I yeah, no, it's good. Great record. Absolutely love it. Just fucking 
silly goth nonsense. <laughs> that's what they should have called the album. <laughs> silly goth nonsense. Brilliant. Uh, that's, your... that's Grave Pleasures, Mother Blood. That is my number 17. Excellent. Okay. My number 17 is um, Epic Cloud by Devin Townsend Project. That's a great record. Oh my fucking Christ, this, this is a great record. Um, this was the fifth album that Devin had released with the Devin Townsend Project uh, in a little over three years. Uh, so Addicted, Key, Ghost, Deconstruction and Epic Cloud, this album, all came out within three and three years and four months or something like that. Mm. Those are five excellent records. I mean, my least favourite of those is probably Key and Key is a great album. You know, it's really, really good. Epic Cloud kind of gets it for me because um, of sort of the whole idea and the concept of it. Um, the idea behind the record was to create a kind of happy heavy metal record. Yep. Um, Devin put it brilliantly himself. He said, the whole point of the record is to make an epic and confident statement about emotions <coughs> that are generally viewed as inappropriate for heavy music. <laughs> it may not be in vogue, but it's what I felt like doing. And that gives this album a sort of uniqueness mm. that I, I've never... Have you ever heard anything like this album before? I or mean, since? No, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? It's because it almost sits in the same kind of it could sit in the same category as something like I don't know, a power metal type yeah, thing like, or, I don't know, like foreigner or something yeah well. do you know what i mean yeah yeah like, totally could it's not totally a million could. miles away from but it's heavier than foreigner yeah. like like it's actually genuinely pretty he you know we're not talking behemoth here or anything like that mm. but it, but the guitars are heavy and they yeah. are really big and you know um but it's a it's a album that has a gospel choir like throughout the record and this isn't just like a gospel choir here and there scattered around mm. they are omnipresent throughout the record and they begin it they pretty much end it as well um and the, the it, it it's so massive sounding this album and cheesy something which you know neither me nor you tend to like devon townsend seems to be our one cheese uh sort of weakness i guess yeah. uh, i think devon townsend himself i think he would admit that this is really cheesy it's talking about love and holding on and and spirits and bloody bloody blah, blah but it's just so infectiously massive and wonderful and the idea of doing a heavy metal album and this is a heavy metal album with a gospel choir is just a fantastic idea anyway um but you have to have a hell of a lot of um whilst it's a fantastic idea it's very difficult to pull off yeah. without without it sounding trite and shit mm. and this really doesn't um songs like i mean there's a song there's a so i think this album gets better as it goes on um there's a song the penultimate song is called hold on and it's basically you know it has this absolutely beautiful vocal from annika van ginsburg where she's just just going hold on like that and it's basically um about parents who have a child who is dying from cancer and it is sort of a um uh, uh it's 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 a song from the parents perspective begging their child to hold on and to continue living and when you sort of discover what these songs are actually about it's difficult to just sort of dismiss them as cheesy kind of odes to you know cheesy odes to love or or mm. anything ridiculous like that it's re it's a really really stunningly beautiful record the version of kingdom on this album um have you heard the version of kingdom on physicist 
No. So it originally came out on Physicist in 2000, which was the album. I might have done. I probably have listened to that age. I've been, I've yeah. been a long time ago listening. It that. was the album that he was meant to be working on with Jason Newstead. Just a little fun fact there. Um, the version on Physicist, frankly, is shit. <laughs> it's really bad. And the fact that he's gone back and re-recorded this song and it's become one of the best songs in his entire catalogue. You know, the operatic vocals that he does on that, the power behind it is amazing. The ballads on this record are fucking amazing. A song like Divine uh, opens with a line, loving you is the best and the worst thing in my life. <laughs> I mean, I'm already tearing up. Like, it's just like, what a brilliant fucking start. And then it finishes with Angel, which is just the most bombastic, gospel-led, incredible song. It, I, I defy anyone to put this on and not at least have the corners of their mouth just just go upwards just a little bit. Yeah, it is it's a great, so, it's a brilliantly uplifting record. It's, yeah, exactly. It's it's mm. it's and how many records have you listened to which are genuine genuinely heavy and uplifting? It's mm. quite rare particularly in metal. I think there are heavy records that are uplifting but in but metal records that are heavy and happy and uplifting and generally in like a major key. Mm. It hasn't uh, you know, it hasn't been done all that much before. It hasn't been done all that much since, and it certainly hasn't been done to this standard. I, I agree with that. Yeah, big time. Fucking love good it. record. Um, my number sixteen. Please welcome for the first, not for the first time in this list, because there are some of my absolute favourite bands in this. But please welcome for the first time one of my favourite bands of all time. It's the Dillinger Escape Plan, everybody, Ooh. with Option Paralysis from two th- again from two thousand and ten. 2016. Good year, wasn't it? Yeah. Good year. Um, difficult to pick a Dillinger record. And I'll I would dis- say, I'll discuss that later as well. I would say difficult to pick a Dillinger record from this decade. Yep. Difficult to pick a Dillinger record full stop, obviously. Yeah. Uh, probably even hard. Well, I'd still have Calculate Infinity, but... Well, I don't know what I could. I, I nearly, nearly picked. Like, I mean, I went on a lot about how I think Dissoci- Disassociation is the best Dillinger album. And actually, I listened to Option Paralysis, and I, I, straight away, my first thing when I made this list, because we we should have said at the start, one album per band. Yes. Yes. So, you know, there will be no kind of doubling up on nope. on record, on, on artists. It's, every band gets one record each. Uh, so my initial thing was, okay, disassociation goes straight in. That's where that it has to be. Disassociation. That is the swan song, the best one. Blah 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 blah. That is that's the one, right? And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, hold on, when did Option Paralysis come out? And I listened. I, I was like, oh, so that counts. So I went back and listened to Option Paralysis, and I was like, now, I think in terms of what Dillinger did on that last record. Disassociation. Disassociation <clears throat> was unbelievable. Incredible, like final, full stop. Yes, and particularly you know, to end the way they did on the title track and to fuck with their own formula. Saw that live at their final ever show, by the way. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I still saw them with Norsem, so fuck off. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I think to... To, to end their career like that, to fuck with their own formula right at the very end, to still keep fucking with their own yeah. formula yeah. is so impressive. To continually be able to do that, incredible. So 
initially had to be dissociation. But then going back and listening to Option Paralysis, I was like, for me personally, I enjoy Option Paralysis more. I actually don't think it's a better album than Disassociation, but I enjoy it more, mm. right? Widower is one of the best songs they've ever done. Oh, absolutely so fucking. Good. I remember seeing them playing the those Barfly shows. Yes, they played yes. The, played the um, matinee show at the Barfly yeah. in London. Yeah, I was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they played, uh, Ben Wyman just put his guitar around his back and played this piano, you know, the piano bit from Widower on his own. And then I remember there's it's a part. not It's not him on the record, though. Is it, is no, it? it's not. It's uh, some other guy, but he learned it for the tour. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So he's playing this part. And I remember when it all kind of comes in, which you would never at the start, you think, you know, this is going to be an actual ballad. And then they still manage to go full Dillinger. In it. So for the great. last 30 And I remember seconds, him like yeah, going, yeah. like just having an absolute freak out. Yeah. Like yeah. Without, without his guitar in his hands. And I was like, there is a guy who is totally like moved by music it was yeah. so wicked to see that but anyway just w- widow is like a six and a half minute kind of <coughs> jazz yeah. piano lounge lounge yeah. jazz kind yeah, of yeah. is fucking brilliant it's unbelievable one of the best songs we've ever done and listening back to that like room full of eyes amazing oh. feral mona lisa like just brown, as brown, a start. And then, brown like fucking just oh that's how you start your album is it is Farewell Mona Lisa the best opening song on a Dillinger Escape Plan album, Stephen Hill? Nah, sugarcoat sour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so good. Anyway, um, good night. Na- I mean, that that opening... Oh, I mean, opening... Farewell Mona Lisa, Good Neighbour, Gold... I mean, I'll, I'll, gold say, on a I'll say the top three. Like, Farewell Mona Lisa, Good Neighbour, Gold Teeth on a Bum. That might be the open, the strongest opening three on a Dillinger record. But it isn't. But I don't know. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> they're just so good. Oh, they're just the, they're just the fucking best band. Like, yeah. people who don't like Dillinger Escape Plan, idiots. Pathetic. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up and stop wasting your life. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah. People complain sometimes that this podcast is a bit too antagonistic, and I don't know if that comes from me or hey, if it comes fuck from off. you. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Dillinger. I mean, in, in all seriousness, I mean, sixteen seems really low for a band as good as the Dillinger Escape Plan, but it's mm. been a good decade. Mm-hmm. More, more on that later. Uh, num- my number sixteen is um, Sunbather by Death Heaven. Uh, this is an incredibly important record to me because it is the record that finally made me manage sort of made me manage to dip my toe into the murky world of black metal. And I know there's going to be people out there. Not true black metal. I don't care. This record is better than all of your shitty true cult black metal records. It just fucking is. Um, <laughs> Taking the leaf out of my book there, Renfrey, just being at, an antagonistic prick. At Renfrey Deadman, if you want to um, shout at me, I don't care. Um, it is it is better than all those Nazi-loving pricks because... Oh, uh, <laughs> well, a lot of them are, let's face it. Yeah. Um, because um, it just... Well, it's it's a far more interesting record for starters. The sort of post-rock elements that they bring into it and the atmospherics that they bring into that are just far, far, far more interesting uh, and give it a wider palette. You've got sort of, sort of these sort of mournful 
mournful piano parts and all this kind of thing that come in. And then they push the black metal stuff to the absolute extremes as well. I think I think people who say that Death Heaven aren't as heavy as other black metal bands just aren't properly listening to. And the sort of people who don't like the people who don't like Death Heaven are the sort of people who complain about a cover being pink. Mm. Grow up. Mm. Um I think obviously We the, won't tell you to grow up for every album. <laughs> I think we should start <laughs> this as a new thing. Um obviously, you know, I know that the black gaze as it has become known as thing. I know that Death Heaven didn't start it. Um we're probably gonna go with Alcest for that or 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 you know, someone around that time. But they did take each element, i.e. the post-rocky kind of explosions in the sky slash mogwai slash godspeed elements, and they took that to its furthest sort of conclusion and the black metal elements to its furthest conclusion. I feel like Alcest build a, a wonderful world. I mean, I saw Alcest just the other day live and they were fucking brilliant and I love them. They're great, but mm. they kind of sit in the middle of that somewhere and, and it's great what they do, but Death Heaven took it and and just pushed the boundaries out even further and made the canvas even broader i feel like and i just think sunbather is their best album i mean it, it sort of creates a kind of bittersweet sort of ecstasy you know when you have these really heavy crushing black metal guitar parts and blast beats alongside these tremolo picked lines and then you've got you know someone screaming over the top saying i'm dying is it blissful it's like a dream i want to dream <clears throat> <sighs> love it uh, <laughs> fucking love it i love how antagonistic it is um again the whole sort of pink album cover thing um just them sort of yeah, seeing like seeing the utter stupidity frankly I, I look i fucking love metal and i love how passionate people get about it and i love the fact that um I love the fact that they are so passionate about it, but unfortunately the double-edged sword of that is sometimes you get people being sort of ignorantly passionate about it and kind of pursuing the wrong things. And it doesn't fucking yeah, matter. Yeah, we know what you're saying, yeah. like for sure. I it mean, doesn't it's, fucking matter. No, that really doesn't matter. Um, but I love the fact that they try to sort of shake that up. And um, I think overall, I I just love this record more than sort of... The majority, you know, the majority of true sort of cult black metal records that I've heard, because I just feel like I've said it already, but the palette is so much broader mm. and so much more interesting. And maybe I needed that post rock thing to lure me in to the black metal world. That it is a sense. fucking excellent record. It is a fucking important record as well. It is important. Yeah. It's really fucking important. Whether you like this black gaze thing that's going on or not, I mean, I'm a sucker for it. But whether mm. you like it or not. It's undoubtedly had a massive, massive impact impact on Mm. this decade. There are one or two other records that we, we, I think, we will both talk about later that have had a similar impact. But in terms of most influential records in heavy music, Sunbather would, if that was the list, it would probably be number two or number three. Be right up there. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing is open to interpretation. But I fucking love it. So. Mm. All right, cool. Well, hey, um, let's not stop talking about Greg Pachato, shall we? Because uh, he's at number 15 as well for me. He's at number 16 and number 15. My number 15 is Fever Daydream by the Black Queen. 
which, yes, is better than any Dylan Escape Plan album, according to this. According to me, um, wow. I'm, you know, again, I will say I'm not entirely convinced that I um, want to be put in a position where I'm having to compare Dillinger to the Black Queen because I think they're really, 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 really different. But yes, their front man, there is no comparison. Really. Yeah, the, the, that is the only thing they have in common at all. And you get a very different Greg on this oh, yeah. record and on the Black Queen as you do on the Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, uh, and I, so I'm not saying it's better, but what I am saying is when this record came out, it felt like something which had been beamed down specifically made solely to suit my taste of something that I hadn't listened to for a very long time. Back in 2015 when this came out, obviously I'd been working for Team Rock uh, and I was writing for Metal Hammer. I don't think I had a... Well, no, I don't, no, no, don't think about it. I didn't have a Spotify account at that point. So I you know, this whole thing of, oh, you can listen to whatever you want whenever you want to listen to it. I was still listening to CDs, relying on streams, maybe, you know, getting a, uh, something like YouTube now and again. Obviously listen to a lot of stuff on the radio because I was on the radio. And... Uh, it doesn't stop going on about it. Well, I'm just saying, fucking <laughs> hell. Um, but I did always love, obviously, The Cure and Depeche Mode and all of those those kind of electronic those really fucking cool sl like sleazy but slinky electronic pop bands and i also obviously i've spoken before about how i got into sort of fortet and or tecra and border canada and apex twin stuff yeah. like that in, in my sort of early 20s and suddenly you had this band who was greg from dillinger singing like a soul singer like Dave Gahan, but with members of Telephone Tel Aviv, making these basically incredibly classy pop songs. Yeah. Like, I mean, the re the songs on this record are, are, ba are absolute fucking bangers. Iced and Ever, I remember mm. hearing that straight away and just being like, it sounds so glorious. Mm -hmm. Like even on shitty speakers that I had back then, just sounds so like oh, you just want to nom 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 nom. So lovely. So that, that was what they go from extras. Oh, I love nom 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 nom. Ice to never. Secret scream again. Maybe we should non consent. Like it's such a sexy dark like chromatic sounding record this is music for goss to fuck to isn't it it is and it's so <laughs> good um my personal favorite is that death cannot touch ah, okay. which is just like an evil sounding song mm. like a beautifully sexy evil sounding song this has got elements of you know it was stuff that i, I wasn't listening to at that time and it made me remember like man i fucking love the cure Man, I fucking love Boards of Canada. Mm. Man, I fucking love like dark, gothic y, electronic sounding like pop music. Mm. Mm. It, it's as good at doing that as most of those bands. If you get one of those electronic 80s compilations where it's got all the fucking new romantic stuff and all the kind of, um, you know, that kind of electro pop stuff. And you should, because it, it's a lot. Most of that shit is the shit. But the, 
any, but this goes, this is as good as any of those bands. And those bands used to sell fucking 20 million records. And they, you know, the, the Human League and, yeah. you know, all that. <laughs> like, this is far better than anything the Human League have ever done. Um, but, you know, those those people became massive, massive, massive pop stars. And I'm, it's a, such a fucking shame that the Black Queen has just vanished. Because I feel like yeah. they could have been, you know, Greg is incredibly charismatic, incredibly attract, like attractive and good looking a guy. You know, he's like, you know, he's smoking hot, isn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, let's be honest. Didn't realise I was going to take this turn. Well, he is. Let's be honest. He is. You know, he's and a lovely chap. He's got, um, oh, give it up, Renfrey. <laughs> Uh, he's really nice he, he is really nice but that's not what I'm saying I'm not saying oh he's nice <laughs> he's not in he's not, like, he's not in BTS he's not, he's not some <laughs> asexual boy band member he's a fucking fitty is what he is and um, he's very nice yeah and he's got an incredible voice as well he's got an absolutely incredible yeah, he voice really does. and here he had a bunch of songs which are fucking better than the bloody weekend you know this stuff's <laughs> cool now this stuff is like zeitgeist now yeah and yeah. the black queen aren't around to sort of scoop it all up it's a mm, shame mm, i don't yeah. think the second album was as good you know i don't think it was as good i still think it's very good i don't yeah. think it's no but this I don't is think really good. good. Nah. yeah um this uh it's one of the albums which grew the most on me yeah, um again, it was yeah. so it's so far away from my wheelhouse wheelhouse all of the influences and stuff like that are just things that I didn't grow up with and didn't really know much about. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I've got to shout out Emma Van Dyke. She just, uh, who was their PR um, person, she just said to me, keep with it, keep listening to it. And I did, and um, it eventually just infected my mind. <laughs> and I, I, I do love this record now. I think <sighs> it's fucking excellent. It is. I, I mean, I play it. All the time, mm. all the time. The last song's my favourite. Uh, Apocalypse Morning. Apocalypse Morning. Yeah, that's a fucking mm. great song. Great song. Um, but the, the whole album's brilliant. I literally think every song is great on it. Yeah, there isn't. I gave it eight in Metal. I think no, I gave it seven in Metal Hammer. Did you? I gave it seven in Metal Hammer, and I went, I like it, but you won't. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> Basically, yeah. When I first heard it, I reckon I would have given it a five. Now I'd probably give it a nine. Eight or nine, probably. I nine. might give. Well, you shouldn't be throwing tens around, but I would. I mean, most most stuff on this is a ten mm. at this point. It's mm. the best albums of the decade, and you're allowed ten. So, but anyway, Fever Daydream by the Black Queen is my number fifteen. Lovely stuff. Uh, you've had your goth record with Grave Pleasures. Um, my goth record uh, this week, Marilyn uh, Manson. <laughs> um, I the can't Pale recall. Emperor. Can't recall a decent record Marilyn Manson's released this decade. Uh, no, <laughs> it's Millennium. <laughs> it's Death Spells by Holy Fawn. Um, I got super fucking excited about this record earlier this year when I brought it in. Um, and I haven't really stopped listening to it since. Mm. I do think it would have been enormously high on my albums of the year last year if uh, I had heard it before we did those albums of the year. Um, really, it's just in a similar way that you say... Um, Fever Daydream is a record which has just come down and feels like it is made specifically for you. I kind of feel that way about Death Spells by Holy Fawn. Mm. There's this heavy sort of intensity to it. The guitars, the guitar tone on this album cuts like 
a hot knife through butter. It just smashes out of the speakers. It feels like it's hitting you in the gut. But it also has all these really lovely ethereal textures around it and um, wibbly wobbly bits, which I really, really like. I think because the guitars are coming out of those wibbly wobbly bits, technical mm. term, um, is why it's, you know, we talk about juxtaposition and heavy, heavy stuff sounding heavier when it comes from a lighter place and all that sort of thing. This record does that perfectly. But then you've also got this vocalist who doesn't sound a million miles away from Jonesy uh, from Sigaros mm. but then he can scream his fucking out like lungs out as well at times and and I just I feel like this record is kind of like a siren like one of those sort of mermaidy sirens beckoning to you with its beauty and its yeah. loveliness and then it just hits you with something absolutely astronomical um, the second song on it arrows has this i'm sure we talked about this during the review but just has this wonderful bit where it's all building and it's all lots of kind of um floaty chorus reverby guitars and it's all lovely nice 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 and then there's like eight guitar stabs over a period of about three seconds and then it just disappears again and it's almost as if it's trying to like spook you it's like wh where the fuck did that come from it's almost as if you're sometimes you put this album on and it's like your speakers are haunted yeah it's just it's just it's i it is just made for me, <laughs> this mm. album. Um, and I was, for a bit, I was like, oh God, can I include this? Because it's it's probably the record I've had for the least amount of time. Yeah. I, I heard it almost exactly a year ago today. Um, I'm going to pick you up on that, actually, but fine. Well, you know, you did hear it, basically hear it this year and you've cut everything else from this year, but you're allowing yourself. No, to no. I first heard it last year. I first heard it in 2018. A year ago? You heard it. So this time last year, you'd heard it as, you, as we as we sit here and record. Uh, I, th I, I think it, it probably to the day. Yes. Right. Yes. Because I, right. I was yeah, I was obsessively listening to it all Christmas 2018. Mm um so um so yes i think it's about a year and it is it is the youngest record on on yeah, my okay. list yeah but um but i just think it's wonderful um it's the fifth track it's called oh is it called the seer or something like that the manner in which that builds is just the most perfect perfect song it's absolutely wonderful it's seven and a half minutes but it feels like about three in fact this record's about an hour long and it feels like it goes in about yeah it does go 30 quick, yeah. minutes like mm. really really quickly drag me into the woods is incredible and it's gothy as fuck and i fucking love it it's good yeah all right well my number 14 is a big one isn't it this is a big this is a big old record uh, I was I nearly didn't put this in, but then again, I have to be honest. I've not listened to this for a few years, mainly because of how I've started to feel about the band. But there was a point in the early part of uh, of this decade where Bring Me the Horizon were basically the most exciting band in looking like they were going to be the next big thing in rock music, and you know. To say that they don't anymore is bullshit, really, because the last album went to number one. They did All Points East. They're a, they're a really, really sizable big band now. But I do feel like, you know, the days of them really, you know, being able to take over where someone like Metallica left off are kind of gone. But on yeah. Sempaternal, um, that felt like a huge turning point. 
Um, I would say There Is A Hell is, again, probably a better record in is a lot of ways. Is There Is A Hell this decade? Yeah. I think it is 2010, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. That would be, yeah, 2000, it was 2010, I think. Yeah. So I think that is a better record. Uh, again, I think probably in terms of what they did and how they evolved and stuff, like it's probably the most impressive record. But on reflection, years down the line, um, I, like I say, I, I hadn't listened to Semper Eternal for ages to the point where, you know, because it was Bring Me the Horizon, I was like, well, I'm not going to put that in. I'm not. I'm just not going to put that in because I've not listened to it for a little while. And you know, fuck Brimley Horizon. Like they've they've gone off and they've bloody you know like it. I, I, there's space for other people, but then I listen back to it, mm. and it, you know, I it reminded me of like fucking hell. I must have listened to this record about three or four times a day for mm. about a year when it right. came out. Um, it is. From you know, I'd say for most, but you know, it's for most people who are into rock music, the the classic Bring Me the Horizon record. Now, the album that yeah. changed so many people's mind about that band, and I can understand probably why. including mine. Yeah, because you know, I, I think um, Jordan Fish. This is the 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 Jordan Fish. The, the well, I think everything since has been wow. the Jordan yeah, Fish. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. this is the time where people suddenly went, "Fuck me, that guy Jordan Fish is yeah got a real." You know, he's got a real something about him. Yeah. Um, from can you know? I mean, at this point, I'm sure if you know the band, you know the songs. Can you feel my heart? Sleepwalking, Shadow Moses, Go to Hell for Heaven's Sake. The one that I always go, you know, when people go, oh, they're shitty pop, blah blah blah, and the snake starts to sing is yes. a really brilliant song. Yes, and there are people in extreme metal band who probably would never say this in public, but people who are in very in the UK scene who how you know who would never come out and openly admit that they like this album or they like bring with their eyes in who are in very 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 heavy bands who have said to me well you know that snake starts a sing song is yeah, that's really good that is probably really my favorite good. song on the album yeah um didn't uh either metal hammer or kerrang um play bits of this album to a lot of extreme metal people i think and they then... played stuff from um there was a uh, hell, suicide was season or oh, the, really? Or there is a hell. One of oh, them. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. around this time. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And didn't say who the band was. And then they were like, oh, who's this band? And, yeah. And they were like, oh, it's really good. And they yeah. went to Bring Me Your Eyes and they went, oh, I hate it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. I think Mike Ackerfeld actually did do that. He was like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Who is it? And they went, Bring Me Your Eyes. And he went, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, I was just saying that. It's rubbish. And um, Ackerfeld can do what he likes. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, a, this is an amazingly consistent. Um, in, incredibly impressive, brilliant art statement from a band. You know, to to I always think it's really difficult to to make a black album because that's what everyone's just trying to do in it. Everyone's trying to make the black album again. You a lot know, of people are, yeah, yeah. A lot, of, well, bands who have any ambition to do yeah. stuff, you have to make a black album. Yeah, and for me, Sempaternal is. Bring Me Horizon's Black Album. God, I've never thought of it like that, but yes, I suppose it is. Uh, I, I think it is. I mean, if but it's you know, far but, artier, more, it's more in. But it is a more interesting record. It is I mean, more it has, interesting you, than the you know, album, there's obviously yeah. there's there's 22 years between the two of them, so you know myself. it should yeah. be. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. But people always they turn around and said, "Oh, you know, that's the spirit is their Black Album." Well, people even now have gone, "Oh, Ammo is their Black Album." It's like, well, no, I'm sorry, I think you know no. uh, they started off with just raw and then. They made some, you know. That's, then you get, uh, you get uh, suicide season, which could, you know, that could be 
master puppet so it could be ride the lightning or it could be a sort of combination of the two of them you know just like yeah. fucking much better than their peers really really fucking heavy you then follow it up with there is a hell which is just for all you know really really weird difficult mm-hmm. fucking mental record um which is quite alienating for a lot of people but then the people that do love it fucking love it and then everything gets stripped down to its core and mm. becomes more anthemic becomes bigger becomes bolder becomes more melodic a lot more singing yeah and that's what Sempaternal is and how many people have tried to do that loads and how many people have actually made a good record off the back of it a minuscule amount you know this still holds up seven years later I think this still holds up as a fucking brilliant mainstream modern metal record and I feel like again you're talking about Sunbather by Death Heaven and its influence the influence this has had yeah on our scene is huge yeah. because all of those bands that were trying to rip off Killswitch Engage before are now trying, trying to, rip to rip off, off Sempaternal, yeah, right? And they, and they, are, I mean, you know, again, you, you said before you can argue is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well, you don't have to argue that it's a, it's a bad thing mm. because none of those bands are even vaguely close to being good enough mm. to doing an album of this caliber. Mm. Not a chance, not a fucking chance. I've heard a bunch of them and they just try and you know redo Shadow Moses and they can't. Mm. Mm. Um, great record absolutely like just a fucking great record and leave your bloody prejudices at the door because it's a it's a monolithic record this i have to say even as someone who you know i'm really not a bring me the horizon fan at all but but i would go as far i would say i'm a sempaternal fan i think Mm. it's a great record and 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 I'll, i'll but there is a hell in there as well. Still think anti visit is utter nonsense. Yeah, anti visit is the, the <laughs> anti visit. Yeah, is is not great. But you know, it's it's kind of fun. It's three minutes of a forty-four minute long record. You know, no, no, no. Else. True, true. I just yeah. Yeah. Needed, needed to mention it because it is fucking stupid. It's uh, stupid. But I quite <laughs> like it. again. You know, like I, I quite like how stupid. Yeah, but it is. it's arrogant and <laughs> and bratty, which yeah, you yeah, tend yeah. to like. I do actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's my number fourteen. My number 14 is uh, uh, one of my favourite bands of the band who I wang on about quite a lot. It's the second album from Northern Irish uh, uh, instrumental rockers. And so I watched from afar and the mm. album's called Gangs. Um, it was released in 2011. I think the, the thing that's really important with and so I watch you from afar, which a lot of people might not know or realise um, if they don't listen to that kind of music is they kind of married uh punk attitude and ethic to instrumental music and mm. to post-rock you know music i mean i think calling them a post-rock band and, and a lot of people do just because they hear instrumental music and they go oh well that's post-rock it's kind of a misnomer really um and i know that they certainly view themselves as a punk band at the end of the day they just happen to be instrumental mm. and i think this record kind of proves that in a lot of ways it comes straight out of the gate with beautiful universe master champion and it sounds so happy and joyous and fastly played and then it continues with uh gang starting never stopping sort of title track and then um search party animal as well it's just one of the fastest most frenetic songs i've heard recorded ever and it manages to fit because there are no vocals it manages to fit so much into it. There's so much going on. There's so much clatter. And I think that's the thing that 
people miss the point with sometimes with instrumental music when you don't have a vocal but usually when bands have a, a vocal part there won't be a lot going on in the background because you're trying to like pick out the vocal part but mm. with with instrumental bands who do it properly they are constantly chucking things in and it makes it makes for these if you have a 45 minute instrumental album you've actually got about two hours of ideas stuffed in there because you need to keep it moving you need to keep it flowing and i think gangs is one of the best records to do that of this decade hence it being in my top 20 um i think i don't think i'm sorry i watch you from far with the first band to sort of marry that punk aesthetic to instrumental music but they were one of the most <laughs> instrumental <sighs> <laughs> oh, uh, because um, you know, another tree shot for that. <laughs> um, I just, I, I feel like they did. Uh, th- they were one of the first to do it incredibly well. Mm. Um, but then there are other. You know, this isn't all just about fast frenetic freneticism. <laughs> um, can you tell it's late? Um, the fourth track seven billion people all alive at once has this wonderful kind of eastern sort of rhythm and then that goes in goes into these like vocal things um and it's just it's it's a really joyous record it's quite difficult i think it'd be quite difficult to put this album on again just like epic cloud be difficult to put on and not have a smile on your face during it because it's just so the joy de vivre of it (laughs) accent Mm. um and and it's just so happy um it was my favorite record of 2011 uh it was my number one album of that time and at this time especially live for me and so i watched from afar were absolutely unbeatable they'd not released a single bad second of music in my opinion and this just continued that run i think gangs is probably my favorite and so I watch you from afar album. It's a toss up between this one and the self-titled one. But I think I'd have to go for gangs because it's sort of shorter, tauter, tighter. Yeah. yeah. I liked it, actually. I listened to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just, just I liked it. Well, I don't <laughs> want this podcast to be seven hours long. So, yes, I liked it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if I start talking about it as well, we'll be here for the rest of our lives. Um, which we could, wouldn't be the worst way to die with it like <laughs> talking about albums but but, but uh yeah I, I did i thought it was good and i, I think you're right it was it, it, it was a surprisingly fun listen good mm. they're the ultimate party band yeah of course they are um <laughs> number 13 unlucky for some not though uh against me transgender dysphoria blues is my number 13 um this is the first against me record with Laura Jane Grace fronting uh-huh. the band as opposed to Tom Gable fronting the band um and it is one of the most powerful and honest punk rock records ever made i think it's a, an incredible tour de force of the sheer force of personality to come through and you know laura is an amazing songwriter against me have always written amazing songs we spoke about you know new way when the week you were away matt came on yes and we spoke about 
you know, we spoke about New Wave and how that kind of kick-started this amazing run against yeah. Miron. I think this is where the run kind of comes to an end. We'll see what happens with the next record, I'm sure. I didn't think the last one was all that, to be honest. But, um, you know, that run was amazing. And I think this is the peak. Possibly, I think this probably... I think it starts really high and it ends incredibly high. I think this record, if you followed the band and if you followed their story, it's impossible not to be moved by, you know, the the unflinching honesty, the kind of the bravery and the the, the sort of the will and determination in the face of, you know, I think the people's um, understanding of trans people uh, in 2019 is different to what it was maybe in 2014 that's my without i think that's fair to without say without really knowing too much about it it feels like that that's probably fair to say i, f- I feel like i'm far more knowledgeable yeah, me than too. i would be me in too. 2014 and it's because of people like laura jane yes, grace absolutely that, that, that i am yes. you know um and have you read her book yet? No, I still haven't read her book. Yes. I haven't it. Yeah, yet. it's fantastic. Yeah, I do want to read it. I do really want to read it. I've it's called Tranny it shop, and it's yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, uh, I was just, you know, totally blown away with it. I remember watching the video on YouTube to um, Fuck My Life 666. That being, I think, the first, definitely the first one I heard. I'm not sure if it was the first single that came out. I think it might have been, but there was a lyric video that came out and I was like, oh, it's new against me. I'm going to listen to this. And, just being sitting there with my like jaw on the floor at the end of it going oh my god you know not only is this song incredible um it's lyrically like it's just pinpoint accuracy of and and like yeah i think honesty it is it's just so fucking honest this record Mm -hmm. it's just so honest it's so raw it's heartbreaking at times it's uplifting at times um, the only thing that stays the same throughout this record is the caliber of the songs that are written on the record. That is the only thing. Um, Black Me Out is possibly the best song they have ever written. It's f- fucking the the best like middle finger salute to anyone who won't accept you for what you are. It's fucking brilliant. Um, I again to go i was again i was on the radio i was on team rock at the time and we got laura in to do 50th mention we got laura in to do um two acoustic versions of uh to do like an acoustic session for us um for the show and we interviewed as well and she came in and did uh true trans soul rebel and unconditional love and i sat in the studio with her and an acoustic guitar while she played those songs and i was like moved to like genuinely moved to tears by the end of it i was like really on the like trying to kind of compose yourself after that it was it was such a powerful committed performance so amazing man it's one of my fucking probably my that is probably my favorite memory of that entire period like getting to see that was amazing and i just think this record is is just fucking brilliant it's less than half an hour long it's just no fat on it at all total gold amazing record 
and obviously against me. Just a fucking brilliant band, aren't they? I have never properly gone in on against me. No. Nope. <clears throat> um, I can't believe it. I did. <laughs> I did listen to this record a few times when it came out, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I quite like it." But I didn't like fully get it. I've got. I've got like a lot of time for Laura Jane Grace. I think she's an amazing person, amazing mm. sort of like really positive person for our scene and stuff. I've always wanted to like try more with against me, but I've just, it's just a blot in my, um, in my back cat. Don't know why I'm shortening words. But yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> mate, but you need, yeah, you want to fucking get in on that shit, mate. Yeah, maybe you should give me some trade off. Oh, I thought you just assumed you liked them. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, my number 13 is, um, uh, sort of the white male equivalent <laughs> in terms of like sheer honesty and openness, but it's um, Hope Fading Nightly by Tennyson. Um, again, I guess this is just one of those records that like it either personally resonates with you or it doesn't. I think I gave it to you for a trade off and yeah, you, were you sort did. Of, Meh, yeah, it was right. about it. Um, I just think it's, this is some of the best sort of intelligent, indie pop i'm gonna say anthems written this decade really um starting the album with letter to the team after another imperfect season is just a stroke of genius it's basically starting an album um saying that you're resigning from being in <laughs> yeah. Tennyson because you're doing such a shit job and you've you've never like you know pretty funny that it's it's fucking great and like i think i just um identify with a lot of these songs so much um tact is dead is basically about how you're lied to entire your entire life if you go to school if you get a good education you'll go out and you'll get a good job and um you'll be able to live and have a wife and 2.4 children and all this sort of thing yeah and the reality for our generation and maybe the generation before and stuff is that that hasn't really panned out the way that it should have done. And it's just how, how it's become this big lie. And, you know, there's a line about like being so agitated about that, that you just start picking fights or the chew for no reason. And that sort of toxic male masculinity okay. sort of thing. I think it, um, Stephen Davidson has this wonderful way of, uh, narrating wonderful stories in a very quick uh manner it's like um th there's a there's a hemingway example of it like create the shortest story that you possibly can and idols used it for their song june and the shortest story he created i think it's it's usually appropriate with the hemingway but i don't think it is actually him but it's um baby shoes for sale never worn like mm. that's meant to be like the shortest story ever created because it has a beginning a middle and an end and you there's an arc something that happens mm. And Stephen's amazing at doing that. In the opening of Orion um, says, well, the nurse took four different needles to get any blood out of me. She got help after three with tears in her eyes. And that's three lines. And you've already got a really big picture of sort of what's happening there, what's happening with this nurse, what's happening with the person who's trying to get blood out. You know, he is so economical with his songwriting. Um, the 
the secret weapon in Tellison is actually Peter. So like um, like the Menzingers, there's kind of two vocalists and two songwriters. Um, unlike the Menzingers, Stephen writes the majority of the songs, but then Peter always contributes like three, maybe four songs to the record. And they're always, well, this is no offense to Stephen, but they're usually the best songs on the record. Mm. They're just these absolute shining gold records um the first single from this album was a peter song called boy which is just absolutely amazing my favorite song on the album one of my favorite songs probably of the decade is hellhole which is just um about how sort of you how you'll stay in a relationship even though you're a massive fuck up and like being grateful to being with that person that that person is still willing to be with you despite fucking up constantly um i just think I, I just I just think the songs it is one of those records where there isn't loads to say about it in terms of technique or sort of they're just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant songs from a brilliant, incredibly underrated band. Mm. Um, I, to give you an idea, I'm going to see Clutch tomorrow night, but I was in um, I was in a bit of cahoots because Tellison are playing as well the same night and I was trying to go, do I see Clutch or do I see Tellison? And that's how much I love this band. Um, I just, I just think they're absolutely phenomenal, and they just really resonate with me. And Hope Fading Ninety is their best album, and uh, it's great. Yeah, you um, think it's all right? I think it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all right. Um, okay, that's your number thirteen. My number twelve. Uh, my number twelve. Uh, well, we've already spoken about it. Drones is the best song on this album, by the way. Statues by Black Peaks. Ah, uh, yeah, I had a similar sort of thing. I mean, obviously, I didn't get in. I saw Black Peaks it, uh, playing Heavy Fest in 2015. Yeah, it would be 2015. 2015. And I heard quite a lot of hype about them. And they played the main stage, and I was like, yeah. Mm. Silly. And so I was like, oh, God, one of these bloody hype bands again. Is, it, is, that, what, is that what we're doing? And then, <laughs> then I heard the record. And I just remember thinking, fuck me. It's been a long time. It felt like a really, 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 really long time since a British band had come along and they'd taken elements of Refused and taken elements of System of a Down or Resident's Machine or, you know, the Deftones or do you know what I mean? Like of all of these bands that I loved mm. when I was a kid, Glassjaw, you know, mm-hmm. taking elements of all of this stuff and they've gone, can we make something which sounds like a band from the 2010s in Britain? And I was like, you know, nobody's done that. I mean, the other bands from Britain, from this era that people would talk about, and we haven't mentioned them. And, you know, Marmosets, right? Mm. The Weird and the Wonderful by Marmosets is a great record. And it wasn't one that I ended up sort of, although I, I think it is a, it's a, actually it's a, it's a brilliant record. The Weird and the Wonderful Marmosets. I think it's a, a great mm. record. Yeah. Um, but it never really came close to uh, me considering Black Peaks over it. I can't exactly tell you why that is other than the fact that i just prefer the black peaks album i think there's a there's a melding of a bunch of stuff that i prefer more on black peaks in black peaks you know 
there's a way, you know, Becca's very, from Marmosets, I don't know why I'm comparing to Marmosets, but Becca from Marmosets <laughs> is very emotional, whereas Will, I think, is very, you know, his lyrics are very cutting, biting, intelligent. He paints incredible pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, they were the first time that I heard a British band in this era and now there's loads of them but they were the first time i'd heard a british band this era where i was like okay it's not all you know death havana and mm. those kind of boring you know i I like don broco but you know like those kind of quite nice safe looking bands mm. this was a band who were f- built on post hardcore and emo and you know alternative metal and you know, challenging, interesting acts. This record came out the same week as Gore by Deftones. Now, I know a lot of people Didn't don't. It? A lot of people don't rate Gore. Well, I do personally. I so think do it's I. Fucking great. Yep. But I remember, you know, as time has told, like that week, this was the, you know, they were sh- they were showing Deftones up. Hmm. It was like, you know, as much as I love Gore, this is a far far better album. And you've basically kind of said everything that needs to be said about it i for me drones is the best song on the record uh, actually it's, yes i agree with you i forgot about drones but yeah. it's fucking amazing yep. glass built castles is absolutely anthemic yeah you're right crooks like now i you could script you could you could skip crooks and well you, i don't but no. you could you could I, when i say it, you skip, like when i, I say it's the worst miss, song yeah i mean it's like brilliant. You know, to get like to have Glassbrook Castles and then follow up with a song as good as that. Yeah. And then to be like, that's actually come the end of the record and you've kind of forgotten about it. Yeah. Like, amazing. You know, Say You Will again. Yeah. Like, everyone's spoken about that a whole bunch of times. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, I actually think All That Divides, again, probably is a better record. It probably is a better record, really. I don't agree with that. That's fine. Um, but I've picked statues because of how I was like, oh my God, when I first heard it. I think what statues has is a bunch of songs which are more immediate than uh, All That Divides. Yes. I think that's what it is. I think there's also more stuff going on from different genres in statues as well. Yes. Where I think All That Divides has focused in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. there's no wrong answer here by the way gentlemen from black no. peaks both of your albums are fucking brilliant yes um i'm picking statues as it feels like my black peaks album but you know either is right uh it's a fucking great record amen um my number 12 we've had the band but we have not had the album yet dillinger escape plan um my god it was so difficult to pick one uh, I had, a, I think, exactly the same difficulty as you did. Mm. Um, Disassociation went away quite quickly, surprisingly quickly. Mm. Um, um, but then choosing between options paralysis and one of us is the killer is an absolute shitter. Okay. <laughs> oh, for me, it was really fucking difficult. And I know, yeah, I know this is a controversial one. 
Um, but I Plants for One of Us is the killer for two reasons. A, I listened to them both today and decided I <laughs> just enjoyed One of Us as the killer more today. But B, I noticed that you had gone for option paralysis. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty surprised that you've gone for One of Us as the killer, I have to say. Um, I think a lot of people will be because yeah. um, of those three, it will probably, it, I think most people would probably view it as the least good um dillinger record oh, uh, the least good of their career for me oh oh absolutely not um i guess you it's probably think calculating infinity is the least good of their career don't you yes um, Fucking hell. <laughs> um i look come on prancer oh yeah look, it's good. hero of the soviet union mm-hmm. Paranoia Shields, Magic That I Held You Prison, When I Lost My Bet. When I Lost My Bet is wicked, yeah. The the, ti- the title track. The title track's amazing. The, it, this album is fucking astonishing. And I think, to be honest, it gets a quote-unquote bad rap. It doesn't really get a bad rap. It's just people say, oh, it's the worst of a fucking astonishing discography, generally. Yeah. Um, but I think it gets a bad rap because it's um, the most melodic Dillinger Escape. I think records. it's because it's the one that uh, follows the same pattern. It actually, I actually asked um, uh, Greg about this. I said, I, I've begun to notice patterns in the way you put albums together. Yeah. In the songs. And I felt like one of us is a killer. I was like, ah, okay. So the third track, a bit like Gold Teeth on a Bum is a yeah. sort of slow. So, you know, you start with a really heavy one and then halfway through, there's a very, very melodic do you know what I mean? And yeah, so I was a bit like, yeah, there's I, I a, feel like there's, I feel like, I feel like it, it, that was the one where a pattern had been established for what Dillinger do. And that's why if this had come up before option paralysis, I might have got it gone. Oh my God, it's so great. And then option paralysis has gone. Hmm, I feel like I've heard this. You know what? I, I don't disagree with you, but my um, answer to answer to that is, uh, oh, and, oh God, people are going to send me shit for this. Um, for me, Option paralysis is Ride the Lightning and One of Us is a Killer is Master of Puppets. I just think... Oh, you look very, very upset. <laughs> um, I, I mean, just I just think... And and look, I, fuck, I, I kept jumping in when you were talking about Option Paralysis. I think Option Paralysis is amazing. Do not get me wrong. Mm. Um, but listening to them back to back today, I was just like, I just prefer the songs on this one overall. Like... You know, I think it was said quite a lot of the time, but Prancer sounds like there's a prison break actually happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, One of Us is the Killer is... I, I love Dillinger when they go super melodic. Like, yeah. like they are... Obviously, they are known for their chaotic kind of um, crazy time signatures and just, just basically hitting you over the head with stuff. But when they did go melodic, they were... F- fucking amazing and and i suppose because this is just the record full of their melodic stuff the most you know cross i didn't even mention Crossburner. fucking hell i i, I it, it it's certainly the album that i don't think it's my favorite dillinger album overall but in terms of this decade i think it's the album that i'd give people to if i was introducing them to dillinger yeah maybe yeah yeah, maybe. Which is interesting because you're saying it's their worst record, and then you're saying it's the record I would give to people to. Oh, no, I'm I'm not oh, saying not. that. Okay. I'm saying I, I can understand why one might do that. Right, right, right. I mean, I'd give them. Um, I'd probably give my works actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iwerks is not a bad one mm. to start with. I mean, Iwerks, ma, 
might be my favorite overall despite it being really patchy and odd but i love it um yeah yeah, it's fucking brilliant um yeah i don't know I, i i just i just you're you're absolutely right in terms of in terms of the 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 structure of this record is basically that's the kind same. of all it is really i think that was what you know like in terms of like you say if you're going to pick out individual songs and you know uh, there's not a lot wrong with it and there's no. you know there's not a lot wrong with it as a record there's not a lot wrong with anything dinners you've ever done no um but one of them has to be the worst one and i think purely because of where it sits in its timeline that's that that is the only reason really to be clear, as I said, this this was the hardest deliberation I had probably out of my entire list, to be honest with you. And uh, as I said, disassociation fell away quite quickly, um, which was a surprise to me. Um, but I have been A, being One of Us is the Killer and Option Paralysis um, every day now for about five or six days and came to a conclusion today because I was forced to come to a conclusion because we're recording this now yeah. <laughs> um tomorrow i might say option paralysis yeah well that's the thing about these is you think long and hard about them and yeah. your relationship with music can change yeah. all the time yeah if you'd have told me after this, like six months after the association it came out that when it comes to the end of the decade i'll be saying yeah the option paralysis is better than it i would have gone no i doubt it yeah 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 exactly exactly but um you know I, I also knew you were choosing option paralysis and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about a different Dylan yeah, record sure. as well. But, but actually as it happens today, the day we're recording, I do prefer one of us is the killer. Cause I listened to both of them back to back earlier today and I had a more fun time whilst listening to one of us is the killer. Fair enough. All right, cool. All right. Well, my number 11, um, you may not have picked albums from the entire decade, even though that is what you were meant to, do you fucking fool um but but i have i have considered everything up to 2000 and the end of 2019 uh i didn't put clipping in and clipping was my number 25 even though that was my joint number one album of the year which makes it kind of weird to think that it ended up being my favorite album of the year but yet 14 places below the album that i gave second to in my albums of the decade i've got a headache yeah weird that isn't it that is a weird thing but um i'm trying to look at the decade as an entire body of work and i think clipping for me says something about this year mm-hmm. um whereas her name is color animal choir very definitely is something i think will last the test of time and is an album that will come to define the decade i think when we look back for those in the know and unfortunately it's not going to be a very despite both renfrey and i's protestations <laughs> uh i <laughs> you know if we had more sway i'm sure you know if we were on fucking bbc six music i'm sure her name is Kala. it's just would, a matter of time yeah yeah would uh would have seen quite a jump in the um the the profile of the of the band um well they decided to split before the album came out yeah so you so know might not you know bbc might have just not bothered yeah but um but listening to this within listen to, listening to this alongside albums from you know death heaven and 
menzingers and some of the stuff that, that i've been really familiar with that just missed out all the like behemoth and arcade fire and stuff yeah stuff that just missed out on my top 20 and thinking whereabouts do i put this and then listening to it and listen to it around everything else that's going in here um it really convinced me that this record is an absolute 10 out of 10 worldy i mean we spoke about it a couple of week a week or so ago when or whenever i don't even know when this is going out but you know it's a week since me and Renfrey recorded our albums of the year podcast and so it feels like i'm kind of going over retreading some sort of fairly common ground that we've been talking about part of the reason i didn't put 2019 albums in but carry on okay but you know that's that's the fact that you know but i think in the context of this it's important to point out that you know it should be in my list yeah yes. uh, that i really genuinely do think that this is a landmark record yes it, sh- it should be in my list and i now feel really guilty and stupid mm. but yeah uh, i mean it's um everything we've said about it from the review when it first came out to the albums of the year podcast that we did last week are absolutely true i just think in actual fact even sitting amongst alongside and amongst the the very very best records that have come out from this entire decade records that i have had for 10 years records that i've had for five years i still listen to this and think you know not only is it objectively better not only is it objectively better i mean this is one of the ones that i'm putting in because it's like not only do i love it and i think it's great it's objectively unbelievable unfuckwithable like it's just uh, you know yeah it's it's a perfect piece of artwork of yeah. art. you know what i mean it's it's just it will only get better with time yeah this is here in number 11 sitting here right now mm. seven months or so after i first heard it um, yeah yeah where will it be in a year's time it's not going to go down i don't think mm. i can't yeah. imagine it going down anywhere it's a fucking phenomenal record. It's a really, really, really amazing record. Mm. And, you know, uh, I toy, I was a bit like you. I did toy with, well, where can I put it really? I thought, well, maybe I'll put it in number 20. But then listening to the sor- you know, sorority noise, which I fucking love, listening to sorority noise and listening to this, mm. I mean, it eats it alive. Mm. Absolutely eats that record alive. And I just thought, there's just, you know, sometimes you just know, don't you? You yeah. just know, like, this is <laughs> this is close this is still i you know i know i've said it a bunch of times and i'm going to finish off talking about it with this is it's as close to okay computer as we've had since okay computer yeah yeah absolutely um when i was still trying to crowbar 2019 records into my list uh it was sort of in and around the seven to eight mark mm. so you know yeah there you go so yeah absolutely nice one uh final album for this part yep exciting stuff an album you are not bothered about at all uh nearer my god by foxing my number one album of 2018 um i think this is a complete masterpiece i just fucking adore this record um throughout history nearer my god to thee has become kind of infamous last words um it was traditionally like a christian hymn uh, that retells the Jacob's uh, Jacob's dream of a ladder reaching all the way to heaven, and like it's basically about um, trying to get 
it's 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 a morality story about trying to it's a parable about ambition is what i'm trying to say so this is about albums the favorite albums yes i'm i'm explaining for context oh, right, and expa- <laughs> i'm explaining about the title and so on and so forth fucking hell i think the i oh, think, are you doing a bloody this is a book club suddenly what's going on i think on the irony i think the irony with this is this is by far Foxing's most ambitious album today. It's their third album and um, they haven't fallen over their ambitions. It, it's not a tragedy. It's by far the best thing they've ever done. Um, and I do think their producer, Chris Waller, was it Chris Waller? Yeah, Chris Waller. He challenged the band to write a classic album. He said, you, you need to write a classic album. And I think foxing did absolutely everything in their power to do that and i think they kind of more or less have i um i would sort of compare this to i mean it's another one of those records which is kind of a modern emo record and it was compared a lot to the hotelier's goodness which is an incredible record and uh, harmlessness by the world is a beautiful place i'm no longer afraid to die which was bubbling under for me and i think i think after reflection and a few years with or a couple 18 months with it or however i do think that this is the best of those that kind of trilogy of records um which are often sort of lumped together um it's so diverse this album it's like a kaleidoscopic smorgasbord of lots of different elements there's 80s inflected new wave guitars there's touches of 8-bit electronics bagpipes there's these choral r's in it there's shimmering strings off kilter voice samples howlful settles volker sequences acerbic distorted noise all within this one record the sheer sort of palette that they are culling from uh, to create this album like it shouldn't really work and the fact that it does is pretty astonishing sort of similar to my number 20 actually me without you and that the, the palette that it takes from is absolutely massive and so broad and i think the only kind of um through line is all the songs are fucking brilliant really um i i I just come out of a two-year relationship when i um got this record and you know in in terms of like talking about like personal uh how records affect you personally there are an awful lot of lines on this album which uh got me through a lot of very difficult days the the title track has a refrain does anybody want me at all that was difficult to listen to for a while um but fuck me it helped you know like it really really i think i think the amount of i think that sort of sense of catharsis that you can get through music which you don't often get through other things Mm. can make these records seem very give give you a very personal investment in Mm. them um the mo like that opening song grand paradise the moment when he sings shot colored in the gates of heaven and the whole band come in it's just it just raises the arms on my neck and my hands and my arms every single time it just sounds absolutely huge coming in and these these songs you never know where they're gonna go like you know as i say bagpipes just might come in just randomly and then go out again it's just it's just an absolute as i said kaleidoscopic smorgasbord of so many different elements and instruments and sounds and uh you don't care for it at all 
Did no. you go? Did you go back to it for this? Yeah. Yeah. You still, still, don't still get totally it. Totally numb. That's not. I don't get it. I just don't. You know. I. Well, maybe I don't get it. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I don't get it. You don't get it. Mm. That's fine. It's all right though. Yeah, yeah. It's just a. You know, it just sounds like Thirty Seconds to Mars to me. <laughs> God, this is definitely one of the things that we disagree on the most <laughs> by far. Yeah, 30 seconds to Mars. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 30 seconds to Mars with trumpets. I'm a little bit, part of me is kind of like, are you like, have you found a, a, a band called Fuxing or something like that? Like, are you putting the right album in? Because I'm so, what you're saying about this record is so alien to how I actually feel about it. I'm like, surely surely you've typed in the wrong thing or something like that no. i'm assuming you haven't no I haven't. are there four horses on the cover yeah yeah damn sorry mate i just you know oh i can't be bothered to talk about it we <laughs> did this last year we did it last year it was, did, it was yeah. fucking but no one would care then and they certainly don't care now <laughs> uh, <laughs> about what i think about your favorite album why would they you love it i'm just not that bothered about it uh it's absolutely fine that's that's what opinions are you know you're gonna get this next week when we do this second part and there's oh a, yeah and that, yeah and oh there's it, definitely some records in yours next week where i'm just gonna be like Mm, yeah uh <laughs> all right cool anyway um thanks very much for listening to this that is the first part of our albums of the decade number 22 number 11 the second part should be with you very very soon i yeah. mean i would like to think that this stops and you just it's there waiting for you already but i haven't decided how we're going to do this yet we're either going to put it out on the same day or we'll put it out a week later but i haven't thought about it it's so tough Oh, it'd be exciting for us to know how that. <laughs> yeah, you, you just, already know. I haven't, I haven't, uh, anyway, cool. All right, well, we'll do that. Cheers. That's the end. That's the end, is it? Yeah, yeah. Good. That's it.